Good morning. It's Wednesday, August 14th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, how's it going? Digging the new name, digging the decision Tate Martell made on Tuesday, a very adult one, and I think it's worth talking about since it's a decision I don't think we were expecting him to make, Connor. He returned to Miami's practice on Tuesday after skipping on Monday and accepted his current fate as the backup quarterback to Jaron Williams. Of course, Martell was missing in action on Monday, hours after the team had announced its decision to tap Jaron Williams as QB1, and that was not a good look at all for Tate. I mean... Even here at 24-7 Sports, we started getting the Tate Martell transfers. Here's what it means column ready. We started getting the possible destination list ready. We were starting to dig in on what he was going to do. Maybe that'll still happen. Um, it's not going to benefit a guy who's still talented and still young to spend his remaining years on the bench as a backup. But Martell, a sophomore who's already redshirted, I mean, he can transfer any time. He can transfer after this season. He can transfer after a few games. Like, he could even transfer next week. It was just optically really important that he not do it Monday. He's already the guy with the two recruiting decommitments and the two schools in three years. If he had been the guy who transfers three hours after not getting the starting job, like, that would have been his worst-case scenario. Uh, Martell addressed the team Tuesday. Sources told 24-7 Sports Miami reporter Andrew Ivins probably to apologize for missing practice, and I'm glad to see it. There was some controversy on Tuesday surrounding a couple of Michigan transfers, the first being offensive lineman James Hudson, now at Cincinnati. According to an article published in The Athletic, Hudson's mother, Glenda, scheduled a meeting with Jim Harbaugh and Ed Warner in October 2018 to discuss her fears that her son had been suffering from depression. In Glenda Hudson's account, Harbaugh quickly shut the meeting down, telling her if James doesn't want to be at Michigan, he knows where the compliance office is. Harbaugh, however, says his recollection of the meeting is that it had to do with James' dissatisfaction with his playing time. At that point, James enters the transfer portal, and not long after, Michigan relocates his roommate, with Harbaugh saying he'd received reports that Hudson's behavior wasn't, quote, conducive for the best interests of the roommate. Then on December 1st, Hudson announced that he's transferring to Cincinnati, and in April, uh, he finds out that his waiver for immediate eligibility has been denied by the NCAA. In the athletic piece, Bearcats head coach Luke Fickle had some incendiary comments about the situation, saying Michigan did not back the waiver. They can say what they want to say, but the only thing they said that was positive was that if the NCAA chooses to make Hudson eligible, they would accept that decision, that they didn't have an angle. They are just trying to cover their ass, and I'm really completely disappointed in it. Harbaugh had a chance to react to Fickle's quotes in the story following Monday, uh, Michigan's practice on Tuesday. Read Luke Fickle's comments, and unless I'm reading them wrong or mistaken, I'm, he, um, he's, he believes, I believe he's under the impression that, that these waivers are decided coach to coach in some kind of, some kind of deal fashion. And that is not the understanding that I'm under. I'm under the understanding that the NCAA decides these waivers. And unless he has something that he can bring forth and share and, and uh, enlighten us and the entire football world 
uh, I would really like to, to know what that is. The reality, of course, is somewhere in between here. No, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh don't have final say on whether players transferring out of their program get transfer waivers approved, but the school could provide evidence supporting the student-athlete's claim that he or she experienced mitigating circumstances beyond their control, which is the standard that was in place at the time of Hudson's transfer. Uh, In this instance, Michigan declined to provide any evidence supporting Hudson's waiver, as Fickle said, uh, stating only that they would not contest his eligibility. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Fickle is obviously a former Ohio State guy, too. Uh, It continues with Michigan. I kind of remember the saga of Oklahoma lineman Eric Swinson a few years ago. It was a really big deal uh, when Jim Harbaugh, in his first recruiting cycle at Michigan, pulled the scholarship that Swinson had committed to under then- UM coach Brady Hoke. Well, now Swinson, who's at Oklahoma, went there after his scholarship was pulled, is in line to replace one of four departed Oklahoma offensive linemen, and coach Lincoln Riley managed to praise him and shade the Wolverines in a quote Tuesday, saying, he wasn't good enough to play in Michigan's offense, but I guess he's good enough to play in Oklahoma's. Connor, let's see if Jim Harbaugh responds to that one, because I don't think he can handle not responding. Um, We're going to take a super quick break with some trivia for you guys. Listen to this one. Which college football team won the most games in the decade of 2000 to 2009? I'll tell you who it wasn't. Texas and Oklahoma were tied for second at 110 wins. All right, we are back. The answer to the trivia question, which college football team won the most games in the 2000 to 2009 decade? Uh, With 112 wins, it's the Boise State Broncos. They were like your older brother's UCF back then. Uh, In 2009, the Broncos went 14-0, including that win in the opener against Oregon that upset LeGarrette Blount so much and still finished just sixth in the BCS. On to a less fun note, it was a absolutely brutal day for injuries in the college football world on Tuesday. Texas A&M's Baylor Cup, the top tight end recruit in 2019 and the number 16 overall player in the top 247 suffered a horrible compound leg fracture and is out for the season. He was going to be a day one starter for the Aggies, replacing all SEC performer Jay Sternberger, and had the profile of a three-and-done NFL draft pick. So this news just totally sucks, but we uh, extend our best wishes to him as he begins a long recovery. Staying in College Station junior wide receiver Hezekiah Jones, an expected contributor this year, is out for the season with an Achilles injury. A few hours away in Austin, there was a scary situation as an ambulance was called onto the practice fields to help take Longhorn walk-on Jaron Watkins to the hospital. Texas put out a release Tuesday night saying Watkins was treated for a minor injury and was released from the hospital. Keep going. Highly touted Illinois freshman cornerback Marquez Beeson was carted off the practice field with a knee injury. Lovey, Coach Lovey Smith said he was concerned about and South Carolina tight end Evan Henson is going to be out for several weeks once he undergoes an ablation surgery to correct an irregular heartbeat, which was discovered during an echocardiogram. He thankfully will be fine. Henson has one career reception. Yeah, it's that definitely that time of year where no news is good news. Uh, Under Armour unveiled throwback uniform designs for seven of its partner schools on Tuesday, including Notre Dame, South Carolina, Maryland, Boston College, Wisconsin, Cincinnati. If we're going just by engagement on the Twitter posts announcing the uniforms, it seems like my fellow Gamecock fans are most excited about their late 80s inspired duds. Though reception to these throwback uniforms in general seems to be universally positive, which you don't always see with these things. A documentary series modeled after HBO's popular Hard Knocks program is coming to college football. According to various reports, Arizona State, Alabama, Washington State, and Penn State 
have entered discussions to allow cameras and filmmakers on campus this season to shoot footage for an upcoming yet-to-be-revealed production on the popular cable channel. We'll let you know when we get more details. The number one player in the top 247 for the class of 2020 is now the number one player in the 247 Sports Composite. In case you're new around these parts, the top 247 are our internal rankings at 247 uh, Sports, and the composite is the aggregation of the other rankings across the industry. Uh, Damascus, Maryland defensive tackle Brian Brisset moved up from number four to number two in Rivals' new rankings published this week, and that was enough to vault him over Jordan Birch in the composite. The Clemson commit's current composite score ranks him 15th all-time, tied with Leonard Fournette in the class of 2014 and Adrian Peterson from the class of 2004. The University of Florida is hoping to get Georgia transfer Brenton Cox eligible before the season, but the confidence level that's going to happen is extremely slim. According to attorney Tom Mars, who represented Justin Fields and a host of other transfers in their quest for immediate eligibility, says Mars. Unless there's some well-kept secret that would qualify him for a waiver, I'd say chances of Brenton Cox getting a waiver are approximately zero, he told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Thursday for the next episode of the College Football Daily.